Hello and welcome to When Will It End? It's the movie podcast for two friends, Josh and Charles. We watch the movies. We watch all of them, starting with one, going to two, going to three, and then going to the animated spinoff that bears little resemblance to the rest of the series, which is what we're talking about today for our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series and our fourth installment. Hello, Charles. Uh, is Mike here? Mike is gone. <sighs> Thank fucking God. My voice is back. Mike is gone. You sound great. Um, I sound better than the like wheezing ghoul that I sounded like in the last episode. So thank you. I'll take the praise. <laughs> yeah, I mean you haven't even listened to it yet. You sound bad. I mean, I had a, I had a, you were there. I had a horrible cold. Yeah, I was under the weather. Oh no, things no, no. were not great. Not blaming you, but I, I don't think anyone's listening anymore. I think last week's episode probably got rid of our few listeners. I don't know. Well, this is this is the TMNT. I thought it was going to be a fun series. Let's see what we can do with this. Um, well, we've in many ways descended into the bowels of hell. In a way, we're acting as our own shredders, shredding the fan base uh, with this uh, obtuse series that honestly went a lot deeper than I thought it would, and not necessarily in a good way. Yeah. Depth is not always what you want. This is true. Much like when you slip into a sewer grate to avoid uh, a combination of samurais and rapacious English arms dealers. <laughs> yeah. You end up with uh, shit in your mouth. That's so true. It's one thing we learned from Turtles 3, The Scroll. Yeah, a movie that, again, I love. There's so much we didn't get to in our disjointed uh, alternate timeline episode with Mike. Um, But, man, I miss the – certainly after watching this movie, I miss the the rich texture of the the woods and the the really cool cinematic flair and the Twin Peaks music during all of the Shogun scenes. And, And we're really transitioning into a bewildering follow-up, which, again, we should note, this is thematically – well, continuity-wise, this is a continuation of this original trilogy, despite being, in so many ways, a completely different animal. Right. What animal would you say? We got turtles. I'm I'm assuming one, two, and three are all turtles, or do you think there's a different animal? Well, they're Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, is what I guess I'd say they would be, or maybe – They could be, in a way, this podcast is our mutant idiot baby, like from Secret of the Ooze, you know? Okay, so when you say that TMNT is a different animal, what what animal are you thinking? So the podcast is the the dumb baby that isn't Well, like Shredder, we thought our offspring would be cutting and incisive and Mm, dangerous and a real real contender on this stage. And in reality, it's a big dumb baby. Do you think, we never really talked about it, but do you think in the second one, what... I realize it's sort of a cop-out to have another turtle as, like, the monster that he makes. It is weirdly too similar. And looking back, again, we had this conversation then. I'll re- I'll bring it back now. You have Bebop and Rocksteady. As we found out, the creators were dead set against them, besmirching the fine reputation of Bebop and Rocksteady, though they are in all the video games, in all the animated series. So, again, a fucking mystery to me. But, yeah, having a snapping turtle fight a normal turtle... That's weird. Why not go outside the... You had a wolf and a snapping turtle. Charles, what would you have brought in there? Wow. I mean, so... And was that a dog or a wolf? It was a wolf. Okay. So, I mean, that I find hard to believe. Haven't we... Didn't didn't we kill all the wolves? Aren't there no wolves left? Well, it's impressive they found a wolf in New York City. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, I would... Okay. So, can you just... Before I give my answer, which this is important, so I want to just get... Uh, Get everything lined up. I just thought of my answer. It's better than yours. Go ahead. Are Bebop and Rocksteady, are they the same? Are they Snapping Turtle Wolf in the comics? No, Bebop and Rocksteady are like, uh, I, I want to say they're like, oh God. Um, one of them is like uh, like a warthog. That would be good. Fuck. 
That's a great answer. I think they're warthogs. They're both warthogs? Okay, it's a warthog and a rhinoceros. There we go. Did you just look it up? Originally human thugs that came to Shredder's henchmen. And so they were were mutated from people into animals, according to Wikipedia, which is way more fucked up. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. So if I were to have whatever animal I wanted. And remember, we have a rat in there. You know, we have, yeah. of course, Baxter Stockman is the fly in the in the series. Sure. Um, so there's some some animals have covered. Yeah. Anything outside of that? And turtles. Of course, the titular <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All right. So if I could have any two, so are we keeping the wolf, or can I can I get can I get a new? Well, one the wolf there? is fine. I have no problem with yeah, the yeah, wolf. Yeah, yeah, the wolf's good. A little hard to believe, but that's fine. So I guess if I could have any animal I wanted. I would do a U.S. Navy sailor. A sailor? <laughs> yeah, sailor. Would he be like a drunk Randy sailor on shore leave? No, he'd be just like one of the, like, you know, a poster one. Like a like a, like a barrel-chested, rosy-cheeked, mm, apple-bottomed? Yes, apple-bottomed. Now, of course, I assume he's wearing his uh, little white outfit with the blue highlights and a little cap. Definitely got the cap. Um, there might be one scene... In the maybe oh maybe when he becomes a big sailor, he everything breaks like in the Hulk except for his hat and he just wears the hat the rest of the movie. Is he hanging dong? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask. Is it a is it a healthy uh, member? No, it's syphilitic. Oh wow! So it's a syphilitic sailor who's nude from the forehead down. <laughs> yeah, the forehead though is usually capped. Okay. Well, that honestly, I'm 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 now envisioning a, you know a large syphilitic sailor with like a like what a a, a pus and, and wart covered a pus using wart covered dong just sort of flapping around in the sewers of New York City. Yeah, and it only gets worse from the the ooze. The ooze makes ooze and syphilis, as we all know, is you know. Mm. Mm. I mean, let me ask you this: Is it is is the syphilis like mutant? Wait, what was that? Is it a syphilis mutant? Is it like a special kind of syphilis? It's like a mutant syphilis. Right, it becomes oozed. Oh, wow. Twice the ooze. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, he goes to the doctor afterwards. There's a scene where he goes to the doctor. Is it a mutant doctor? No, 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 no. Regular doctor. It's it's the same doctor from before the procedure. Well, that's pretty exciting. Okay, well, this does make mine look a lot stupider in comparison now. What was yours? I thought like a snake. That's pretty cool. Like a big mutant snake. How cool would that be? Because they're already in the sewers. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's that's why wolf doesn't really make too much sense. But I assume they what? They just probably went out and found a wolf. I, I don't know. Maybe they went to a zoo. It's a fucking crime syndicate. Like they must have some like tap into like endangered animals they could get or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, snake's good. Snake and wolf, they're classic pairing. Kind of classic images. But now compared to your you know mostly naked sailor with syphilis, I feel a bit unimaginative. That's all right. That's all right. This isn't going anywhere. That's true. Just just inside our little minds. Yeah. Wow. Huh. It's good to dream. Well, for this week, uh, this week's episode, we're doing a, the strange, the strange thing where we're in different rooms, and I don't know, is it working? Well, that's for the listeners to decide, Charles. It's our job to make great content, and so far, man, I'm having fun. Yeah, I mean, I I can tell that like before, I always know visually when you're not paying attention to me, but now I can sort of just hear it based on like your keyboard sounds and like weird YouTube videos that play for a second before you mute your screen. That wasn't a YouTube video. I got to call at my office because I'm at work. You fucking oh, degenerate. Oh, that's right. 
God. Okay. I, I just missed a call for my job because of this. Now, I assume it's probably just like one of the many robocalls that I get, but like, don't be throwing that shade at me. I'm making an actual sacrifice. Okay. Yeah. As a, as a real journalist, do you call all robocalls back and like follow the scoop? Get the lead? Yeah. I say, where's this lead and who's behind this? Yeah. Wow. Like a real April O'Neil. I'm a regular April O'Neil. And also, if you're doing your job as a fucking editor, which is the goddamn single thing I pay you for on this show, no one will hear my clicking and my little snip snips. They, they will not hear either of the snip snips. Nor the clicking. Nor the clicking. I think you feel self-conscious. You, like in many relationships, I think, you know, I'm a classic Gemini. You know, I have the wandering eye. You know, <laughs> what? I, I'm, 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 always, uh, I'm always sort of peeking around. You know, I'm, I'm, if I got a scoop, I'm going to follow up on it. So I get it. You know, you're a little insecure around that. And then I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm a classic cancer. You're a classic cancer. My God. That's why I think I associate so much with these turtles. Yeah. Because they just live in a little shell, much like a crab. Yeah. Oh, crab would be good because that would be like. Oh, crab would be sick. Similar. Did they do that in Godzilla, a mutant crab? Probably. There's been, what, I mean, you yeah, have to, right? That's a slam dunk. Yeah. Bam. Slam dunk. Two points. What if it was a syphilitic dunk? Uh, dunk. Oh, my God. Syphilitic dunk. That's kind of a good name for something. File that a away. Band? Yeah, syphilitic dunk. What if it's a syphilitic crab? And the, and the sailor? Or is this I don't know. I'm saying I, I'm holding on to the syphilitic part. The, the sailor, I mean, it's a crab already. I mean, be a crab. Okay. It's a crab wearing a sailor's cap who has syphilis <laughs> and a big dick. Better. So, oh, better. So do you think he started off as the sailor and sort of like rock, bop, and stick it, bop, study? Uh, yeah, much like rock, bop, and stick it, bop, he was mutated from a human sailor by Shredder nefariously into a syphilitic crab. Maybe he had syphilis already. I think in the turtle verse, everyone has syphilis. That would explain a lot of the behavior dis- <laughs> displayed by people. Especially Casey. I mean, Casey for sure has something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, um, I feel like Casey is in TMNT. So is April O'Neil. We've talked about all the characters so far, but yet we haven't talked about the movie yet. Should we, should we start talking about the movie? Let's dig into it. So this is a movie that comes out 14 years after the third film. And it's kind of a wild departure tonally in a lot of ways. And I, I'm not sure where to start with this one because I guess we have to start with the fact that it's front-loaded with a intro so wild and so ludicrously complicated that I thought this was like adapted out of an animated series into a standalone film or something. So I'm like, there's why conceivably would they front-load this relatively simple dynamic of the turtles with this ludicrous plot? Yeah, and I'm so glad I didn't even have to suggest it, but when you asked where to start, I was going to suggest the beginning, as I always do, and you, you just went, th- you just must have known that's what I was going to tell you to do. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm tapped into your style, man. Yeah, that's why we're friends. Okay, s- tone it down. Um, hey, who narrates the intro? You were right about this and I was wrong. I don't know how you didn't, I can tell always the presence of a Larry the Fish. Whether, yeah, this was the big Lawrence Fishburne baby. Yeah, whether he's on screen, whether I get to see that beautiful pockmarked head, um, regardless of who he's playing, whether he's playing a Morpheus or a Morpheus and John Wick. What was his name in John Wick? Oh, God, leader of the homeless guys. I don't know. No one yeah. knows. Raggy Bones. Raggy Bones, probably. I want to just kiss his big head. Imagine how nice know. that must be. Oh, God. Let's, we should make that our quest for 2020. To kiss Lawrence Fishburne's head? Yeah. Yeah, we could okay. make a, I like that. Yeah, we could we could we could journal it. We could journal the whole time. And implicitly it should be a consensual exchange. 
Oh God. The, I mean, I don't think he'd really talk to us until we get to the moment, but of course we would ask, we would make sure it's okay with him. Honestly, he's a big Hollywood celebrity. I'm sure he's helped, dealt with this before of people asking to kiss his head and he can handle it again. I mean, the size of it, it just means he has a higher percentage of people attempting to do the kiss, I would say. Isn't that right? The math, the math checks on that. I think the larger the head, the more the public kisses. And similarly, the bigger the belly, the more the public rubs. That's so true. The right? Big, it's, yeah, it's, it's the bigger, the bigger theory. Hey, the bigger, the better. Okay, so let's get into the start of this movie. Um, I'm going to just draw from a couple plot synopsis because it's honestly so wild and, and genuinely befuddling that... Uh, Wait, you're just going to read someone else's plot synopsis? I'm going to draw on different notes to paint a picture for people. All right. Okay, so 3,000 years ago, and that's your red flag number one. <laughs> that's yeah. not good. No, it's not good. You shouldn't... This is... Not a complicated story. And again, just to recap the turtles a little bit, you know, we've learned over three movies some uh, some very different things about them. In the second movie, we learn the origins of where the ooze came from. It was industrial mm-hmm. runoff from an experiment, essentially. And, and we're given the idea they were created, essentially, what, in the 80s, essentially? That, that's the idea we're given? Yeah. Yeah, 80s. Um, right. Well, maybe the mid-70s, because they are 15 and 1990. So, oh, good point. Good point. Right. So then... In the third movie, when they go back in time to the 17th century, they actually see there's this like long history of turtle, and they're called demons at that point, but there's actually a history of mutant turtles, we're told, essentially throughout time, which is fascinating. Is it? And this movie, weirdly, goes back in time and then doesn't really engage with that major dangler from three. But but go ahead, I cut you off there. Oh, no, no, I just, I just said, is it? Because, I mean, you and Mike seem to be obsessed with this scroll showing turtles that predate the original Turtles, but I, it bored me. I didn't give a shit. I love it. I think we differ on this. I really like yeah. the idea. There's this like long running like mythos to the Turtles, and again, a big part of two is Donatello coming to the face the facts that they're not special. So you know, is it a cheap reversal in three? Maybe, kind of. Is it like unnecessary to some degree? But I, I'm intrigued by it. I like the idea. That there's like you know the scroll spoke of them, which is I think that's cool. It raises the question of more turtle time travel, which of course Turtles in Time, the best arcade game ever. So you know. I like that, that that rich vein. For me, that's all it really called. The question was maybe they just time travel more. I don't really... For me, franchises, when it gets to the point where they're like cloning characters or making new versions of the character, that's like a very dangerous area to enter because it has the potential to be very bad. Um, I, I think as we learned from the Terminator series, time travel is... Uh, man, it's, it's like doing heroin. It feels great the first time, but you know, the second you dip back into it, you're consigning yourself to a lifetime of misery. That's what you think the Terminator verse was about. No, I think with time travel in general, like, you know, famously in the Harry Potter series. Sure. Many point out that the introduction of time travel into the third book makes the entire series like spin off of any basis of realism to any degree. And it just raises all these questions of like, you know, well, if they can fucking time travel, why aren't they time traveling more? And it's barely returned to. And it's like this weird door to open it only answers a plot question in the short term, and then the second you actually invest in its implications, it's a mess. That's when you get Terminator Genesis, where it's like, okay, well, we are really committed to this time travel bullshit, so now we're going to like try to explain it even more and then create multiverses, and like yeah. it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very hard to do well. There's been a few, and I think, honestly, we didn't really talk about it because we got so derailed by Mike and his bullshit last time, but like, I really liked how they don't explain how it works, but they explain very specific details. Like 
it's got to be roughly the same mass. So like you swap bodies. So it actually became less about time travel and more just about location. Like they're kind of like, they never said, oh, I need to get back to 1990. They said, we need to get back to New York. And I think that was a really smart move to like make it a, like so unexplained, but have very specific explained details that like I can link to and, and really follow. I, I think, yeah, that balance between being a children's film and a, and a light sci-fi movie, they managed to strike enough of a balance between plot conveniences and rules that I was pretty satisfied with it. And it's like, fuck it. It's Terminator. It's, it's Turtles 3. I'm just on board. Who gets a shit? This rules. Search for the Death Scrolls. Whatever. Yeah, it's searching. But yeah, this one, it's not time travel. It just is like, huh, let's, let's see. What has this series been missing? A complicated plot starting 3,000 years ago with a character that is boring uh, and monsters. Right. Okay, so 3,000 years ago, a warlord Yautl, Yautl, Yautl. I think it's Yautl. Yautl. Sounds like Yertl. Yertl the turtle? Famous turtle. Oh my God. Do Do you think this is... Dr. Seuss. Ever heard of that guy? Oh, this is a Dr. Seuss uh, turtles... What's it called? What's it called? Crossover event. It's a crossover event. Yeah, crossover event. Finally, the two universes I've most wanted to see come together. I mean, it's the... Are there other famous turtles out there? Um, there's like, uh, well, tortoises, you know, people love videos of tortoises doing cute shit. We're like, this tortoise is fucking 800 years old. Look at him fuck. That is a really good one. He likes lettuce and fucking. And it's like, you're vegan. You can probably relate to that. To an 800 year old turtle fucking and eating lettuce. Well, he likes fucking and lettuce and that's, you know. Yeah. I only like lettuce. Oh, okay. My girlfriend doesn't like lettuce. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's probably the most boring of vegetables. I like a good butter lettuce. It adds a lot to a sandwich. That's not vegan. Fair enough. Okay, so 3,000 years ago, Warlord Yertle enters a portal into a parallel universe and becomes immortal, of course. But his four generals are turned to stone. Makes sense. The portal also releases 13 immortal monsters that destroy his army and his enemies. Sure, yeah. That's the intro to a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I asked you when it was happening, is this a cutscene from a Warcraft game? Yeah, and it looks like... It. That's the other thing we haven't talked about. This is 2007. Uh, CGI is okay, but not great. Well, it's like watching like a feature-length like, piece of web content is the vibe that it has, basically, from this vantage point 12 years later. Yeah, it's it's like watching uh, Red versus Blue. It's like all this shit that was just like... When it worked, it wasn't because it looked good. It's because there was more going on and... Yeah, this is this is just like really t- to take away from. I don't know. Let's let's have a little talk about practical versus CGI. You want to do that? Not a little CGI. Well, I mean, it's it's a hundred percent CGI. So I'm not really sure how far we're going to go into that. Well, no, I'm just saying like why the first three, even the second one, like it works, and I think that's because it uses practical effects. Yeah, this is true. There is like a weird amount of humanity in there stilted strange mouth moves and and hysterical proportions like there's something yeah like maybe because it has that like living cartoon vibe to it like a dick tracy kind of zone Mm -hmm. it makes it feel like a stylistic choice that's kind of bold because it's so ridiculous so like once you retreat into cgi it's like well this is not that it's way crazier to have real people next to human-sized turtles than it is to have just fucked up looking turtles in like a video game like setting. Exactly. I, I totally agree. I think this is the weird thing. And it actually watching TMNT, it reminded me that I, I think the reason why this new generation of children always on their fucking devices and shit, like that is why they're such losers. 
because they were not brought up in a culture where they got to watch child actors. Right. And famously, our culture treats child actors so well yeah. that it's a system that we want to perpetuate. That's true, too. Wait, that's not true. Jesus, what? They turn out great. They have a good time. There's no, no meth or suicide or rape or theft. or It's it's all pretty cool. But that's not a problem with that. We can fix that, Josh. We can go back in time and fix that. Yeah, we can, you know, travel back to the 30s and, uh, you know, save Judy Garland from living a waking hell. I was thinking we should just go back to Edo, Japan. Well, I think we should send fucking Mike back to Edo, Japan. He loves it so goddamn much. He would love that. But no, so I, my I, nephew, I've... his son is named Edo, Japan, Landy's. Wait, I thought it was Noah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a zinger returns. Um, but I'm actually being sort of serious. I did think about watching this movie, how almost every kid's movie since around 2007 has been animated. And it's like when I was a kid, yeah, there were some Disney movies, but they're all 2D. They were like very stylized, obviously not trying to like recreate any sense of realism. Well, some, but like very stylized 2D animation and movies with boys and girls in it. And it was like, it's interesting to engage with a culture that's completely digital and completely inhumane. No, I I hear you. I think that that that, uh, ability to imagine oneself, like with Barney or whatever, like, you know, Barney's got a weird legacy. It's a weird show. But there's something about that idea of like, you can empathize with this like obvious avatar of an idea in a real world. I think there was something to the imagination that, that, that benefits from that. Totally. So when you have four men in turtle suits standing around real people, and also you have crazy Shredder in a weird costume, like everyone is real, and it doesn't make the turtles seem, look stupid or look unreal. It actually makes them seem much more concrete and like yeah you could sort of like okay there's a guy in a turtle or you could just be that's what a giant oozed turtle looks like and like i just don't have to even do anything in my mind to believe that this is a movie and i'm watching it and i'm having a time but then when you switch over to all cgi it just like calls attention to the bad cgi it kicks me out i can't really relate in the same way and i lose it yeah and also i think just visually speaking you know like the fact that the environments in the first three live action movies are so richly realized, like the gritty fun New York, you know, the Kurosawa light of the third movie. This movie has this visual sameness to it and a sort of like color palette and graininess to it that just is not that memorable or interesting to look at. You know, I think that they make some efforts to do some stuff with the CGI that's different. But again, in my head, like I can remember this alongside Again, like a cutscene from Diablo or something. So it's not, it just doesn't have that visual distinctiveness to it that love it or hate the first three movies. You really feel like you're having this experience. And this feels a lot more distanced. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up those two settings because, yeah, that's like we love the first one partially because it takes place in a, a shitty New York. Like that's just a fun place to be. And then Edo, Japan, of course. Oh my God. Who wouldn't want to spend some time in Edo, Japan? God knows I would, looking at that clean, clean water with Michelangelo. Mm. So yeah, it's it's uh, one of the biggest problems with this movie is that it's all CGI, I think. And you well, know so I, mean? I, I want to share something with you, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to read something? Yeah, I'm going to read some stuff from Wikipedia, but it's good stuff for this episode. So originally this movie was announced in 2000 with John Woo at the helm. Whoa. That never Whoa. worked out. What? Whoa, and, that would have been crazy. Uh, right, so the writer-director, Kevin Monroe... 
He said he wanted to do a total CGI instead of live action and CGI turtles because it would be easier for the audience to, quote, suspend disbelief for such an offbeat story as there would be no break in the reality between CGI and live action. Sorry, Kevin. That is wrong. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Like, it's a real choice. That, like, it's very deliberate on his part, which is really interesting. Yeah, and I guess he... I mean, I get what he's thinking. Like, well, you can actually have the turtles be ninjas because before it was like, they're doing pretty good, but it's still men in ninja suits or maybe women i don't know i never get to see in the suit that'd be a good behind the scenes name for the like a documentary about the turtles behind the suit yeah under the shell well let me let me contrast what writer director kevin monroe said with the other side of the story from the producer tom gray who said something a bit different um he said the decision to depart from live action was due to escalating budgets for the three films with each film making less than its predecessor making CGI kind of the only way to go to possibly make a movie of the scope at the time it was made. So the first movie only cost $13.5 million, which is crazy. And the third movie cost $21 million, which is also crazy. Yeah. And this movie, it says they peg it at around $36 million, $34 million. And it makes sense, though. In 2007, to make a convincing Ninja Turtles movie in live action would have cost an absolute shit ton of money. Yeah, like I was thinking, like I feel like in 2019 to make a, it would cost 14 million dollars just to make practical turtle suits. No, it's ludicrous. Like in retrospect, it's nuts, and it was such a huge slam dunk. You know, that made like 135 million dollars on a 13 million dollar budget that first movie. Like it was such a smash. That's incredible. Right. Everyone loves turtles. Uh, the, the, the nation had turtle fever. God, wow! How many fevers can a nation have? Um, I would say uh, hundreds of millions, and some of them would be syphilitic. Oh, that crab sailor's back. Yes, like our new hero, mutant crab sailor. Um, uh, you know, we would finally feel what it was like to be him, That'd... minus the thick crustacean shell. Mm, well, I would because I'm cancer. So I, I mean, mine's not tangible, but I do understand what it's like to have a thick crustacean shell. And you certainly are crabby. Okay, so getting back to this, it starts 3,000 years ago. A warlord makes a deal to win a war to become immortal, but his generals are turned to stone and there's monsters about all of a sudden. And that all happens um, in about 90 seconds. Yeah, with a lot of voiceover and you're like, what the fuck? And then, of course, you know, where do we go next? Central America. Of course. Right. So I, this movie, it's like a, ste- a steep uphill battle with this movie. Like, right off the bat, it's like I'm, I'm struggling to catch up to what's going on. And, you know, the first three movies are very facile and ridiculous and Plato-like. But I love them for that. And this movie comparatively gives you the steep learning curve that makes it a lot less fun. And having, like, Leonardo fighting what looks like a somewhat racist caricature of an overweight Che Guevara in Central America where, like, what's Kim Possible-style April O'Neil, like, repels down a cave. It's it just... It's, we're getting a really different take on this whole world, and while I, I think I admire the efforts they go to to make the Turtles characters similar, um, by and large, again, I just found this to be kind of impenetrable and not very rewarding. Yeah, especially given the cast. Can you go through the cast for me? Yeah, it's a pretty wild list. Okay, so yeah. Um, there's not a, not big names as the turtles, which is fine. I think that mostly distracts you get Nolan North as Raphael, James Arnold Taylor as Leonardo, Mikey Kelly as Michelangelo, Mitchell Whitfield as Donatello. And then moving can past I, that. Can I yeah, just interrupt ahead. real quick? It's really yeah, interesting please. that maybe because they've been under 
costumes the whole time and other voice actors like the turtles have never been big stars and i guess they've never really gotten too many big stars for any of these movies but like it's interesting that even by the third one they weren't like trying to get some is that just a new thing or is like getting name no it's not a new thing like getting name recognition to get people to see these things they've always just been like people you've never heard of but you don't need it for the Ninja Turtles. Right. They're, they were an animated series in the 80s. And then, you know, th- 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 that's the thing. The, the brand carries itself, you know? Yeah. Can you imagine, like, what actor from 87 or whatever would you want to pretend to be a New York turtle? I don't know. But let's do the live action casting now because I've got a list for you. Okay, ready? Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix is Raphael. Okay. Ready for this? I don't think so. Chris Evans is Leonardo. Oh, interesting. Right? I guess, yeah, I could... That'd be cool. I think it'd be great. I know who Chris Evans is now, so that works. Kevin Hart is Michelangelo. How do you not, right? Yeah, that would be perfect. What a slam dunk. He's a little high energy guy. Yeah. Would you get The Rock in there too to sort of capture that chemistry that's been used before? Would you go somewhere else? Um, No, Central Intelligence though, not that bad a movie. I I watched it on TV and it was like, you know what? This is fine. And wasn't they, didn't they have a scene in uh, the new, did you see the new um, Hobbs and Shaw? I did not. I think that was Kevin Hart in like a brief scene as an air marshal. Huh. And they had a, yeah, it was fun. And then Michelle Rodriguez is Donatello. Whoa. There it is. Yeah, that's my squad. That's a yeah. great list. Thank you. I was just going to have uh, Robert De Niro do all four. I'm Leonardo. I love pizza. I'm Donatello. I love pizza. I got nunchucks, Raphael. Can you milk me? I love pizza. That's too much. That's too much of a broad Italian caricature. And as we've learned over the last few months, uh, the Italians have suffered enough in this country. I missed it. What happened? Oh, uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, used the N-word in an interview on what? WAMC referring to uh, comparative experiences between the black and Italian community in America. Wow. It was a moment. We all had a moment. But well, yes, okay, so you're right. It. No one suntcasts the turtles, which is fine. That's a wasted effort. It's no one's going to win with that. I think I I love your list. So, yeah, um moving past the big 4, we got Chris Evans as Casey Jones, Chris America's Ass Evans in an early role, which is kind of cool. Sarah Michelle Gellar's April O'Neil, which I think is good casting there. I that, that scans. Especially I'm cruising through Buffy. I just watched season 3, episode 9 last night. Oh, I'm a big season four fan. I think that's where the story, I think that's where it all comes together. Three is, I think, the most iconic of, you know, the high school years. But four, I think, is incredible. Yeah, so far, I'm just flabbergasted by how much television used to be on. Like 26 episodes? That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, and it really hurts television, I think. Like, having to come up with that much content is like, I there's a great story, but having twice as many episodes as you need just like waters down the story or has them refocus i don't know but like yeah the last episode is pretty good and sarah michelle geller like having that now buffy because she's been in my world for the past three or four months it was like oh cool it's a nice voice to just sort of really live in uh the april o'neill she's like she's been a great character so far plus evans and geller dating mama mia sign me up <laughs> you signed up Get him to kiss. What did you, did you sign up for like a e-newsletter or how'd you get signed up for that? Um, I would sign up for a movie in which they kiss. Oh, just very literally just signing up to go watch Yeah, that no, it's movie. not complicated. You know, I'll pre-order a ticket. Okay. So as far as other big names in the cast, I think the only other huge name on the cast uh, besides uh, 
Patrick Stewart is Kevin Smith as the diner cook. Wait, what do you mean besides Patrick Stewart? He is oh, the big, you know, he's the name. Captain Kevin. Picard playing Max Winter as a businessman who turned out to be the immortal warlord Yertle. But also Kevin Smith uh, is the diner cook. I don't even remember that scene. I think I fell asleep. Well, when the Night Watcher fights the Jersey Devil, it happens in a diner. Yeah. And the cook is the great Kevin Smith, comic book guys. Yeah, he probably loved that. Oh, my God. Chasing Amy. Wait, are you listening Kevin Smith movies now? The What's the movie? Jersey Girl? Jersey Girl. Uh-huh. All the, all the good ones. Clerks 2. Sure. The forthcoming Jalen Silent Bob reboot. Are we going to do those? Oh, we got to. Oh, those movies are so good. I hate those movies so much. Well, there, he always has a message. You know, everyone says Kevin Smith, he just makes dick joke and is, you know, it's lazy. But there's always a message. Like what? Like, you know, if a girl brings you lasagna at work, even if she has had sex with other men, it doesn't make her a diseased thing that should be disposed of. That's a good message, Kevin. Yeah, he's a pretty, uh, he's, I know, look back, Clerks is kind of like the woke Bible, if you look back on it now. Isn't that dogma? Wait, no, what? Dogma is kind of the cool, you know, hey, religion, right? <laughs> the cool Bible. So we got the woke Bible and the cool Bible, all from one yeah. man? All from one man. Fuck. Kevin. He, he's from New Jersey. He gets it. He loves comic books. Oh, and is that why he was in the scene where they fought the, Dur- the Jersey Devil? Because he's from New Jersey. He probably likes the Jersey Devils, the hockey team. I bet he wears a big, big uniform jersey from the, the hockey team. And Did he wears uh, the hockey pads. He actually was a clerk, you know? No. He was. Look, no. 1984 was the year that, like, dorks kind of, dorks kind of, like, epically pwned Hollywood. Because you have Tarantino. Sure. Okay, you got Smith. Yep. They were both clerks, but one of them made a clerk movie. One of them made a murder movie. This is pretty good. So 1984, you know, and punk broke. I'm talking Green Day, Nirvana. Terminator. Yeah, uh, No. That was in 84? This is 94 I'm talking about. You said 84 multiple times. Okay, God. Look, I have syphilis, okay? You can't hold me to things like this. I'm never going to hold you. Because of the syphilis? Mm, Partially, yeah. Because I'm a big crap man with a little hat? (laughs) Yeah, that'd be cute. I'm a little crap man with a little hat. I'm trying to figure out to be for Halloween. Should I be the syphilitic sailor from Terminator from Turtles? I don't know why I keep saying Terminator from Turtles. I think you were born to play a syphilitic sailor. Crap. Crap, but you have to wear a big red shell, and you got to get that dick covered in pus oozing like lesions. That's not a problem. Yeah. Okay. So basically, this movie is about the tur- turtles coming back together after defeating Shredder to dispense of the thirteen immortal monsters who are wreaking havoc in the city, driving around a very boring looking New York, and not that wet, not that gritty looking New York. It's um. It was at a time period I think that it was hard for them to capture wetness too. So even if they were trying to make it a wet, dirty New York. There just wasn't really much they could do. This is true. Look, honestly, this is kind of a hard movie to get ramped up about. I think it's sort of a charming diversion. I I certainly enjoyed watching it to some degree. But it's, you know, it doesn't have much of the residue of the other movies beyond the basic archetypes of the characters, except for in the very end of the movie, there's like a little closing tribute to the other films in the form of the various artifacts from the first three movies seen in their sort of like trophy room but you know you've got leonardo coming back to to reconcile himself with Raphael, who is a vigilante called the night watcher who's sort of a techno warrior fighting bad guys at night you got the foot clan back and they're sort of you know working at a new deal for themselves in a post shredder world 
Um, now, looking at the the Wikipedia article, something that I didn't get from the movie that I'm getting now is that they're calling <laughs> like one of the beasts is the Bigfoot, one of the beasts is the Jersey Devil, one of the beasts sure. is a gargoyle. I didn't really pick up on that theme of them trying to piece together, you know, cr- uh, you know, cryptozoology to this original thing. I kind of missed that. It was very subtle. And I feel like there's some things that can be subtle in movies, like, you know, emotional themes and arcs and lessons and messages. Uh, monsters that, like, have a thing that you could be like, whoa, that's cool. I wonder what the next one... Like, why make that so quiet? Amp that shit up. Yeah, I mean, I would have lead into that so much more. Yeah, it, it's a big waste. I think that's what this movie... So basically what we're supposed to believe is that 3,000 years have gone by. He's, what, captured, like, eight of them already or seven? I don't know. There's, like, a scene where he's, like, captures Bigfoot, puts him in a holding cell. We see that he's captured a few other ones. Well, the whole thing is that they have, like, 11 down and just a couple to go. And what the Foot Clan puts Leonardo in for one of them, or the the Stone Generals or something, and then the Stone Generals betray Yertle because he wants to – he's actually a good guy, kind of, who's Uh regretful – and they want to live forever. And this is what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of fun interaction between the turtles, but the core of the plot is just so turgid and bizarre. I I, uh, I want to talk about the turtles because I think that's that's going to be the meat of this episode. Oh, that's good. I'm happy we're arriving at the meat like 45 minutes in. We're really getting to the, the core of it. That's when you want the meat. But... uh I feel like the the big problem in this movie is that it introduces at the very beginning this plot, which is already overworked four minutes in, but then it makes us believe that... So the goal of Yertle is to corral all 13 monsters together at a specific point in time with his henchmen. And it's like, wait, they all just happen to be living in New York now? And it's like really easy to... Like, why did it take 3,000 years and suddenly in two days they've captured four monsters? It's just like, I don't know, it's sort of petty, but it's like, it's just like that shit that's like, wow, this is just a really bad story that we're watching and I'm already not really that engaged and that just fully removes me from this movie. Yeah, I guess like with a plot that massive and strange to resolve it somewhat simply and again with like, if the whole pretense of these movies are to let us enjoy the interactions of the turtles as they learn more about themselves and learn more from Shredder and more come into mm-hmm. their own some splinter, excuse me. Well, I guess they learn from their, their enemies too, you know. Yeah. But we're sort of watching them grow up. That's part of the story. And while this gives us that, and I, I actually genuinely like how committed they were to telling a very earnest story about these young men coming in, the young turtles coming into their own. Um, That's okay. They're men. I'm not sure why they felt the need to dress it up so heavily in this incredibly elaborate backstory. Because it right. just seems like there's got to be a way to like balance that we're having fun in New York as an environment vibe with the fact that they look so fucking wild and crazy, and instead we're sort of given this this like operatic, you know, just really crazy thing. And I think it just ultimately sucks the investment out of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm gl- I'm glad you brought up Kim Possible earlier. Like, what this reminded me of was I used to babysit a lot when I was younger, and like watching. 30-minute animated television programming does shit like this, where it has, like, a a huge plot to, like, just engage with kids that are six years old and then resolves it in a 25-minute span where you get a few commercials for toys. And it's like, this was that, except it was 90 minutes long and was trying to engage with probably mid-20s people, like, people that had grown up watching the Turtles, 
when they were kids. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, again, so again, reading about the background of the movie, so Kevin Monroe, the guy who wrote and directed it, was a big fan of the original comics. And I guess he wanted like a darker tone than the live action ones, which, you know, I appreciate. And he wanted to like bring in new characters like Karai from the Foot Clan into yep. the movies. Um, so let me share something from this that's kind of interesting. Uh, Monroe said originally some of the ideas were extreme as the turtles being in space. What? But instead, they brought it back to New York City and to focus on the theme of this fallen apart family. Well, I mean, I feel like you could have done the fallen apart family in space, too. Are you right? kidding me? Right. Like, oh, my God, you're doing CGI. Why give us this, like, anemic vision yeah. of New York that we've already gotten when we could be pushing this to an extreme, which I think would have been so much more fascinating in. Like, again, it's like, why do CGI if not to do extreme shit? You know, that's right. the one, you know, look, I don't love Avatar, but from a visual standpoint, the fact that, you know, Cameron used all the technology available to give us floating mountains in the sky, in the clouds with a helicopter battle, that's fucking amazing. Like, go for it if we're going to go for it. So, like, in this case, it's like they they give us all this, like, weird, what, vaguely Aztec-looking bullshit in the beginning. And then, like, that's kind of it for as far as really pushing the visual extremes and like you know the you know, the fights are obviously more fluid and wild, and there's more blasting and explosions and whatever. But like, yeah, take us to goddamn space! Like, what a missed opportunity! Yeah, and also, I mean, one extreme they pushed was the waist size of every human. So I'm glad oh, they so, went so there. small, tiny, tiny little waists. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, obviously, you know, speaking of tiny waists, uh, they make April O'Neil look insane in this movie. She has like. The, uh, she's a slip of a thing with a tiny waist. It's pretty wild. I would say that that might be strangely ugly and sexist, but they make Casey look almost identical. So I think that was just like, and also all the foot, everyone looks like that. I don't think, I think just April has more screen time. So you just have to like put up with it longer, but everybody looks like they've been stretched out. Like they sort of look like Gumby with a tiny waist. That's a good comparison. The Gumby thing sticks. So I wanted to, you know, we brought up Casey in April. What did you make of this? In this movie, they are full-on dating. They're in a full-on relationship. And adding to the dour taste of the film, like Casey talks about his problems with their relationship with Raphael, kind of. And it, it, it takes on a weird sort of melodramatic, like they definitely, the whole broken up family theme, it's impressive they wanted to engage with it. But I thought all of this was sort of like a little sour in a way that I'm both impressed with the maturity of and also like, it made it not that much fun to watch. Yeah, I think they didn't really get any tone right, just in the same way the CGI just sort of like made everything look very untextured. But yeah, I mean, they they spend too much. They don't have, they do not know how to uh, efficiently invest their story time. So they've spent too much time with this monster ship because they didn't, I think they had too much going on. They needed to focus on one thing and not have eight characters all try to have arcs and important messages. Like, I never really understood why the Turtles were having so much hard time becoming brothers and friends again. I didn't really understand why the relationship between April and Casey was bad. Like, every there was so much shit going on, they didn't have enough time to focus on it. Yeah, and it's like, you sure taking us to space, motherfucker? That would have been sick. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be your IMDb review? I don't review shit online. It sucks. Um, so this was the last movie for Mako Iwamatsu as Splinter. This was his last movie. Yeah, he's awesome. He was like, have you seen Avatar, Last Airbender? No, and he's in Samurai Jack, as I understand it, too. He's in a million things. Yeah. 
He's in both original Conan movies as the wizard. Yeah. Akira the wizard. Robocop 3, a movie we might cover at some point. That's true. Highlander 3, a movie we might cover at some point. Uh, He's my favorite character in Avatar. He's like, he's so touching and beautiful. I was like this, he plays the bad guy's uncle, but then we realized partway through that like the bad guy isn't the bad guy and the uncle, like it's really complicated and he's such a, like I don't think the character would have been as good. Actually, I know he wouldn't have been as good because after he died, they got the same dude to replace him that they got in this movie. Huh. They got some white dude to put on a really shitty fake Japanese accent in both Avatar and TMNT. Not cool. Not cool. And yeah, it's just like, I I think Splinter, I, I think they went the wrong tone with Splinter as well. Like having him be a hard ass that you never get to see any of his lightness. At the end, he just like, is like this Yoda type fighting character. He really sucked. He was like, he's been the one fun Hold on, thing. Are, you, are you mixing up Splinters? I don't know. What am I saying? I think you're mixing up this Splinter with another Splinter we will be discussing next week, which was from our raw diarrhea sewage oh, chugging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, this no, is Splinter was watch. fine in this. Splinter was fine in this. Was he? I thought he had some scenes where he just like was a hard ass. And no, I really that's, that's absolutely I under- Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Yeah, Shirtle I understand switches. that it is. And we, fuck, we're telling people that we once cheated. We cheated, Josh. Yes, we've broken continuity, Fuck. and we watched uh, we watched the next movie after this movie almost immediately, which was a true crawl through the depths of horror. But no, um, I thought Splinter was fine in this. I liked him in this. I don't think... Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm just mixing him up because he was so empty. I'm just, like, filling him with what we watched next. But I don't remember him being all that important or interesting. I mean, even, like, his stoned-out version in Turtles 3 was more of a character and more of like a person that I could relate to than this little CGI rat. Yeah. I mean, I will say he left a very limited impression in my mind, which is not great. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest downfall, there's so many downfalls to this movie, but it is the turtles. Like they all, they, I could feel them trying really hard to create this tension and like, wow, this is like, what would happen if the turtles stop being friends and like watch a story that brings them back together? Because they all have like such cool personalities, as we know. You know, and there's you, there's Raph, there's the moody guy, Turtle. What else we got? We got. Well, I, I want to talk about Michelangelo a little bit, actually. Yeah, let's talk about Michelangelo. He's always been the horny, goofy, like, you well, know. In this movie, Donatello's like working as like an IT guy. Yeah. And Donatello and, and Michelangelo is working as like a party clown, essentially, which I actually kind of love him wearing the fake turtle mask over his turtle head. That was kind of a great visual. That is something that. If I had to guess one thing that you really liked from this movie, I would have guessed that. That is like classic oh, Josh it. humor. Yeah. Josh loves that shit. I'm a big fan of that. I think it's funny. What about what if they put another turtle head on top of a turtle head? Would three be too many or would that be just the the most joy you could ever think to have? No, that's the dream. You know, give me the full uh, Fabergé egg or the Russian doll. Like, I want that. I want turtles than turtles than turtles. That's funny. <laughs> so that's Remember the- in Joker, when Joker Man wears the Joker mask... Oh, you mean the clown mask over his Joker mask? He's the clown prince of crime, and he wears the clown mask over his clown face. Oh, my God. And it's like, that's mask on mask on mask. You know what I mean? Because he has the mask he wears for society. Yeah. And then his skin mask. That's what I was talking about. Oh, okay. That's the society mask. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. 
Okay, so let me tell you what. This movie was its financial success. It made uh, over $95 million on a $35 yeah. million dollar budget. It did debut number one at the box office. Kind of a big what hit. Else was, what else opened that week? Can you quickly find out for us? Uh, yeah, so th- there were. I'm going to do that. They also talk about what uh, the sequel would have been like, which I think is really interesting. Oh, yeah, what's that? Where are you looking at? Are you just, uh, hold on, is, one sec, one sec. Okay, so. Are you the still week, on Wiki? Like, this is all on Wikipedia? No, it's box office mojo. Okay, th- so this week. Um, and this is March 23rd, 2007. It opens at number one above 300, which it displaces from number one. Okay. Um, then Shooter, a movie that I Whoa. did not see. Yeah, me neither. And then The Great Wild Hogs at n- number uh, number four. <laughs> wow, that was such a weird year. Jesus. A movie that I've seen on an airplane twice. What? Yeah. And then the rest, of the, honestly, this top ten is legitimately mind-blowing. Number five is The Last Mimsy. The Last what? The last Mimsy, two siblings begin to develop special talents over the found a mysterious box of toys. Huh. I've never heard of this movie. Don't and then remember six that is one. The Hills Have Eyes 2. I've never seen that. Seven is Premonition. Eight is Rain Over Me, the Adam Sandler 9-11 movie. Cool. And then Pride is number nine, and Dead Silence is number ten. What a strange, strange moment in film history. Yeah. Wow. Going down the list, you also have Bridge Terabithia, Ghost Rider, Zodiac is still in the top twenty. That's a good movie. Night at the Museum is number 21, a movie we might cover. Might. Oh, my God. The number 23. That was what number was that? I the thought... number 23 was at this point at number 24 in the <laughs> box office. I've really? seen that movie. It is fucking a mind melt. You absolutely don't see this movie. Watch Jim Carrey in the number 23. If you've ever thought he's a smart man who's interesting, he's very stupid, and it's an amazing disaster. All right. I've never seen it. I do have it, though. I, I was given a copy of it. You need to watch it immediately. Uh, right now? It's so good. There's so many scenes of him playing saxophone in the rain, like chrome saxophone in the rain. I tell you this all the time. In the movie, there's a fake name for a fake author, and the name is Topsy Kretz. Topsy Kretz. Yeah, that's the that's the clever wordplay in that movie. Okay. Tombs 2 would have loosely adapted the Turtles' 13-part comic book saga, City at War, where Michelangelo flees the family to join the Foot Clan. And the Turtles go to Japan and, and meet up with Karai again, and they, they come across Shredder again. And then Tombs 3 would have had the Triceratons and the Technodome from Dimension X, which is honestly the best part of the... I love that shit. Getting some crank, getting some wild shit. Um... So they actually had some pretty ambitious plans for the series, though. The idea of, like, them having more broken family stuff, like, at some point you got to, like, move past that, you know? Yeah, I think that that's a great point. I think it's been... That's supposedly all the Turtles have, basically, is that there are four versions. We've talked about this, the young Hegel Hong theory that, like, all men and women are really just can be broken down to the four turtle versions of themselves. We've, I think we've created a new paradigm for understanding the psychology of life. Yeah, and it, I think it's getting a little old. This like this idea that the only story you can tell about the four turtles is each of their personalities is different, and watching them come together as four turtle brother men turtles. Let's yeah, get some, let's get, get them into fucking space. What do you say? Get them into fucking space. Get them into goddamn space. Why would you not? That sounds so sick. Like I'm technically an adult man, and I would buy the Blu-ray for turtles in space tomorrow like no questions asked as long as michael bay does not make it yeah and you need to thank me for getting you into blu-rays because a couple months ago you had bought the stupid dvd yeah i've updated my game i'm, I'm like the cool kids now buying the blu-rays look at you go hey 
So, yeah, I guess it's that point in the podcast where we ask the question that the title was derived from. Charles, at this point in the series, are you asking, when will it end? I mean, I've asked, I think, well, no, I think I did backtrack and say I was ready for more turtles, but uh, no, I, 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 I don't care. These, I mean, yes, these characters were a big part of your childhood, especially. I somehow, they like turned into my childhood, even though I never engaged with them other than by going to Greg's house and pretending I was a turtle. But like, I really don't care. I, I think they don't know how to tell these stories. There's maybe not a story to tell, but yeah, get it out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I don't need this franchise anymore. Well, here's the thing. There's so much untapped potential in that comic book and in the, the, the animated series and in the whole mythos of the turtles that I would love to see done well. And so had we not watched the next movie <laughs> very soon after this movie, uh, I would probably – I'm going to pretend that hasn't happened as okay. much as I wish I could purge that film from my fucking brain and say that – yeah, I, 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 I want him to take more cracks to this. I want him to think bigger. I want to go to space. I want to, like, you know, see this push to an extreme, which they chose to really, in an attempt to be more human, ironically, took us into this thing that ultimately feels a bit more plasticky and, and, and out there emotionally. So, no, I think on principle, I'm not against that at this point. Here's, here's what I'm going to – I know I'm not going to convince you, okay? Okay. So don't even worry about it. Your, your opinion is fine. I wasn't worried. Okay, but I, I just want to tell you that the reason why I am sick of this is that starting from the original comic books, they have decided to call like make teenager like their def, their definition of what a teenager is is boring. So unless they stray incredibly far away from the original source material, like we talked when we were watching Term- Turtles Two, I said Terminator again. What the fuck is wrong with me? In Turtles Two. The syphilis has gone from your dick to your brain. <laughs> That's what happens. Um, we were like complaining about it. And then we're like, wait, no, these are just, this is what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would act like. So we're like, oh, we have to give it a little bit of credit for correctly displaying stupid bullshit teenage dude behavior. Sure. And that to me is why this always falls apart. It's because it, all we have are these like very simplistic, hey dude, like skater bros or surf kids from california it's like it's fucking boring right we want to get to the next chapter well no as i'm saying unless you like hire someone that has told stories convincingly about teenagers maybe like the spider-man the new spider-man series has been like really fun and maybe i don't know it i thought was a good like there's ways to tell stories about children and teenagers that doesn't demote them to simple dumb bullshit things that like to jump around Okay, what about Idris Elba as Raphael, Tom Holland as Michelangelo? Here's the problem. We're, we're talking casting. I think we need to go back. Production. Brie Larson as Leonardo. Writing and directing. We need to recast that. And Steve Buscemi as Donatello. <laughs> yeah. Screenplay by Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader. Okay. So I think for me, it would be very much like, I don't, maybe I'm not asking you when will it end? But I am now going to pay attention to, like, who is creating this universe. Well, in this case, we had fans of the original trying to get gritty again and trying to get down to the core of the story. That's what I'm talking about. Right. And uh, they, they, they missed the mark a little bit by going with this, like, larger envelope story that sucks. So well, no, it's no, a missed that's opportunity. What I'm saying. Like, you, I do not want fans. I do not want Turtle fans making these movies. I don't 
think the turtle verse is interesting. I don't think the original comic strip is like the characters that they created were boring. I want someone that doesn't like the source material to make a turtles movie. That's okay. Well, I've got, again. I've got the guy for you. Who's you got Todd Phillips, Todd Phillips. We already talked about this. Todd Phillips making me a turtles movie. Just turtle. Just turtle. Turtler. Can I, I was, I came up with a really good one sentence review of this movie. Would you like to hear it? I would love to. Uh, the review for TMNT would simply be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know if you could pick that up. Do you want me to sp- I'm going to spell it. T-U-R-D. No, no. Just, but isn't that the Michael Bay one? No. No, no. This one's Turtles. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, what are you talking about? I'm going to put you back in the maze. You got to run out of this one. Wait, what? What are you talking I'm about? I'm going to put you in a maze. You're going to put me in a maze? I'm going to put you in a maze because this is complicated. Okay. I, I think this one sentence review is Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wait, did I say that already about the next one? I thought that's what the next one's called. No, I've spelled... You didn't... I spelled it even. Were you not fucking paying attention? Say it again. I'm confused. Teenage... My one sentence review of TMNT is... Okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turd Alls. Oh, that's funny. That's good. Okay, sorry. I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Glad he's spent two minutes on it. That's, a good, that's a good joke. Well, let's all just give everyone a... Uh, let's everyone just... Wherever you are, give a little clap for Charles and it's a good joke. Clap, 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 clap. Okay, next week on the show, we descend into the bowels of hell. <laughs> and you don't have to... It's not a guess. Uh, it's, it's, we're not guessing. We have raw evidence that Michael Bay squatted over our eyes and took a big watery shit right into our corneas. But if it sounds fun to have Josh and Charles talk about it for a little over an hour, well, I guess come back. Yeah, it's raw misery in its finest form. We'll really uh, delve into how to, if this movie is sort of like a loving attempt to deepen something that ultimately distances it, the next movie is like uh, molesting a corpse on like a game show. <laughs>